Hello and welcome back to the Heredity Podcast for June 2016. This month, Asian tiger mosquitoes and the Dutch house sparrow. Mosquitoes. Annoying little things, but they can be far more than annoying. They can be deadly. Mosquitoes act as vectors for a whole host of diseases, transmitting them as they feed on human blood. Most famously, malaria is spread by mosquitoes, but there are many more. Dengue fever, yellow fever and Zika are all mosquito-borne. But not all species of mosquito carry all types of diseases. The Asian tiger mosquito, for example, has long been considered a secondary host of diseases, until recently. Here's Clement Galbert from the University of Utah, who carried out a review of the literature on the Asian tiger mosquito while doing his PhD at the University of Lyon in France. The Asian tiger mosquito is um, an invasive species that we more and more hear about it. Um, but it was for a long time considered as a second, um, not, uh, not primary vector of diseases, um, second interest vector. But recently, um, he, he has been involved in uh, important outbreaks of dengue and chikungunya viruses around to starting 2007 and until now. And since he also became invasive in the same period, so at least for the 30 last years, he invaded from southeastern Asia uh, almost every continent in the world. And so in light of these outbreaks, these recent epidemics which this particular mosquito has been involved in, you tried, you decided to um, carry out a review of all of the literature that currently exists about this particular mosquito. Tell me, what were you trying to do in that review? Yeah, so my interest in this mosquito was related to its capability to adapt to new environments compared to this native area. I, I thought this could be also an interesting uh, resource for everyone studying the, the mosqui- this mosquito and especially the genetic of this mosquito because the genetic structure has a strong influence of the possible interaction of the mosquito either with new environments but also with viruses and those can also have um, epidemiological outcomes. And so where did you start with this review? What, what was your first approach and what did you find? My first approach uh, was to draw a map of the different genetic groups that, have, that are known with this mosquito. I, I thought it was an easy task, but actually it was very complicated because some reports, and depending on the, um, the time of the report, or also the different genetic marker used, or the different populations, uh, can show very distinct and sometimes contradictory results. So, um, after that, I, um, I, I, I just try to dig more and more in, the, in the, the data that were available for that. And then after building that picture, does that mean you start to get a sense of what's missing? You know, you've, you've started to find what's there. What's next? The first thing I, I thought was, um, I mean, missing or, oh, it's difficult to say missing, but uh, was that the first thing is that the the sampling uh, of the of the population was today was sometimes um, and a lot of times really different but also not well described to make them comparable between studies so this was the first uh, advice we, we provide in the paper 
uh, I think what is very striking with the, the review we made is that uh, we can't find a strong genetic structure of the mosquito, uh, meaning that if you compare two continents, uh, you expect to have uh, average genetic differences between population, and it's actually something we don't find really well, and it's not clear at all in the mosquito. And what we found uh, instead is very diverse single population, uh, meaning that individuals in one population can have as much differences between them that between mosquitoes, between continents. And that was a little unexpected, but it could be related to the high spread of the mosquito, thanks for a very, a very large part to the human disseminations. This is, this is for me the main message of the paper. And then moving forward from there even, what's the next thing that, that, that needs to be done? You know, is there more reviews to do or is it all down to primary research now? Well, I think uh, what, what should be carried on now is, uh, according to this picture we draw, maybe try to uh, have a more modern snapshot of the genetic diversity and genetic um, structure of this mosquito. We now have, uh, and through the paper we reviewed, we, we found that there was a lot and a lot of samples available now, and also at different time points. And I think with the actual resources, such as new genetic markers and new methods for inferring population structure and demographics, we, we could actually draw um, a modern snapshot and a very um, comprehensive snapshot of, of the mosquito structure. That was Clément Galbert, who was at the University of Lyon in France when he carried out that study. House sparrow numbers have been in decline all over Northern Europe for decades. I'm 26 years old, and even in my lifetime, I've noticed a distinct decrease in the number of these little brown birds gracing my garden. Laurence Cousseau from Ghent University in Belgium has been trying to understand more about the genetic factors involved in the decline, particularly the genetic changes seen in populations from one location over time. Here's Laurence with a bit more about the humble sparrow. It's a bird, it's a small bird, a passerine bird, uh, quite small, uh, very common in, in cities. It's um, uh, greyish, uh, brownish. Um, as uh, the male, they have um, a black uh, um, spot on the, on the head. And these populations of house sparrows has been declining in recent decades, is that right? So uh, the decline was... Um, observed a bit everywhere in Europe, so it's quite well documented. Uh, and it started around the 80s, um, well, especially in the Netherlands, the, the country where we, we studied uh, these populations. And um, yeah, so in the case of the ne Netherlands, uh, the, the decline, um, the density dropped by about 50%. And do we know why the populations are declining? What, what factors are leading to that? We don't really know why. There are several hypotheses. Um, well, mainly like uh, agricultural intensification, uh, or the loss of, in uh, green spaces in uh, in uh, urban habitats. Uh, they have led to maybe a, a decrease in food ab availability or a loss in uh, uh, nest uh, sites. And so, what is it that you went out to try to understand in your study? 
we we are actually comparing two two period of time, so before the decline and after the decline, and we sample the population at the the same location. And um, uh, the aim of the study is to identify genetic signatures uh, of the population decline. So tell me, how did you do that? What did you? What were your methods? So we we used uh, museum specimens uh, for the pre-decline samples. So we we took some individual. We took some uh, some two-part um, samples, and from there from that we can get the DNA. And uh, for the contemporary uh, samples, we we went to the field and sampled um, individual in the same location. And so you end up with these two genetic samples of sparrows from two different time periods, but in the same place, one from a museum specimen and one from a contemporary specimen. What what did you do from there when you've got the samples? What was the next step? So then you have to extract the DNA uh, in the lab. And um, you have some um, analysis to do to get really a data set that you can analyze. And from there, you you can um, estimate uh, genetic diversity, for instance, or uh, effective population sizes, as we did in the the study. And what did you find? Tell me what were your main results. So we found an increase in genetic uh, structure uh, over time. Uh, that means that you have less. Um, so you have, there are two reasons p- uh, possible. So maybe a less in a, in a decrease in gene flow, or a decrease in effective population sizes. And uh, we also we find uh, we found a trend in a decrease for population uh, effective population sizes. So what does this mean for house sparrows? What do these genetic markers add to the picture? The, the genetics is, uh, is is important as well for the long term viability of uh, the populations. So um, if you have low effective sizes, uh, you have more uh, genetic drift. So that means uh, you are more prone to, to, to lose allele, for instance. So genetic diversity can decrease. Um, genetic diversity is very important for, for population viability because um, it's the potential to, to adapt uh, for the future. What's the importance of this kind of study when it comes to managing these sorts of populations? I think they can help to to see the scale uh, of the the effect, and uh, um, so we are we we have seven populations in uh, in the Netherlands, and we see uh, some effects uh, at this scale. So it can help uh, for yeah for management later. What do you think the future looks like for these house sparrow populations? They've been declining. Is there is it possible that'll stop? And is anything that you've done in this research gonna gonna help change or influence that in some way? Um, it's difficult to say. Uh, I, I don't really know. I I, I think we need uh, much more studies uh, at different places, different locations in uh, in Europe, uh, to really understand uh, what are the causes, for instance, uh, of the population decline. That was Laurence Cousseau from the University of Ghent in Belgium. And that's all from this episode of the Heredity Podcast. Tune in next month and thanks for listening.